Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What is up, all of my beautiful freaking people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode. Not only is she a returning guest to FML Talk, this story is more fucking wild than her first. So grab a drink, strap the fuck in, and get ready. And welcome to FML Talk. Oh my god. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. He did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on her Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. You guys first met Lauren Denham on season one of FML Talk. She came on to talk about her marriage to her high school sweetheart and the dissolution of that marriage when she realized that she was feeling trapped and was no longer happy in the relationship that she was in. And she actually ended up cheating on her husband. She has since done so much healing and so much growth. Her story is really powerful and really impacted a lot of my listeners. And she is a dear friend of mine. Besides all of that good stuff, you have now read about her in The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. She is Liz, who I meet on my Asia trip and travel to a lot of different places with. And it was so cool to not only get to spend that time with her and connect with her because we have so many similarities as far as our divorces and our dads dying. It's We connect on a lot of different soul levels. So to be able to write her as a character in The Ridiculous Misadventures was wildly fun for me and awesome for her to read. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode. We are getting into her new relationship and the bombs that exploded when it ended. It's a wild freaking story. And it led her to making a decision to do something kind of unconventional with some plant medicine. So we are really going there today. So without further ado, here is Lauren Denham. What's up, girl? Welcome back. This is the first time I'm saying this to someone. Welcome back to FML Talk. Yay. Oh, my God. Thank you for having me. It's I love it. I feel like I'm just like chatting with one of my best friends. It's so good. Because that's exactly what it is. We have had such a journey in in a short amount of time (laughs) together. Um, I'm sad that you're not here sitting with me in studio, but the fact that you are living out your fucking Carrie Bradshaw dreams in New York City right now (laughs) is so epic to watch. Thank you. No, it's so, it's funny. A lot of people have asked me, um, like, does it live up to the hype? You know, it's like, I think a lot of us have this fantasy of being Carrie Bradshaw or being in New York and single and dating. And we have this built up idea. And a lot of people are like, well, does it really live up to the hype that we've built it up in our, in our minds? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it does. <laughs> like, and it's maybe even beyond 
what I imagined it to be. So it's so awesome to watch you blossom and and do all the things. I can't wait to to see what transpires with that. But I guess let's just jump right into it because you <laughs> not only came on FML Talk to first talk about, you know, your marriage and how that ended up going, which I met you after that when you took your soul changing trip to to Southeast Asia where you and I traveled together a little bit. Um but you also came on an episode of the bonus minis and you were like blissfully happy in this amazing relationship. Um, it, it was all over social media. Like we were all like, Oh, she's found her person. Like this is it. So tell me about the beginning of that, how you guys came to be and then what the fuck happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, this is going to be a journey. Um, so we first began dating, and I guess we should use a code name. Right? Oh, yes, yes. So okay. what, what, what would you like to name him for today's episode? Um, let's go with Chad. Chad. Love Chad. Chad. We always <laughs> love Chads. They're the best. Um, so Chad and I met the very beginning of the year in January, and I had kind of been dating since my divorce. It had been two and a half years. Um, and no one seriously in that time, I was getting to the point where I was like, okay, I got divorced because I really wanted to feel what it was like to be single, but I have done it now. It's been two and a half years of dating. Like I I'm kind of really, I think ready for something real. Right. And that's exactly when he came into the picture. Um, and I have to say it was just the first time that I've ever dated someone that I felt was truly like my match. Um, like an energetic match. He was, you know, I'm such a like fun, free spirited, like light, energetic ball of light. And, you know, I'll be, I'll be with these guys and they're like super boring or they're not intellectually stimulating or they're not emotionally available. And I wasn't finding everything in one person. Mm. And he was that person. He was just, uh, he was my match in every way. And Uh, I was head over heels in love. I mean, you know, it was real. I thought it was real. Um, And, you know, there were definitely issues in the beginning, but nothing that you can't, I think, work through and nothing that is abnormal. Um, But there were tiny red flags that were coming up that I was like, you know, you have on the rose colored glasses, you have on your love, love goggles, right? Yep. Know all about fucking, those. <laughs> those fucking love goggles. So I had those on and, um, you know, there were little things, uh, he cared very much about his appearance. Mm. Um, you know, he had to have the flashy car. He had to have the flashy apartment. He looked, he always had to get his hair done and his teeth whitened. And, and it, it was kind of like, he made me a little bit insecure about my looks Mm. Um, it, he would make little comments of like, you know, do you have on uh, fake eyelashes or your nail polish is chipped or have you ever gotten a facial or have you ever gotten laser hair removal? Or do you want to do that together? Like all of these little things that like, oh, after a while, no, no, no. Yeah. And like, or do you have like hair extensions or do you have this or do that? And, and I was like, I, I said at one point, I said, I feel like I'm being critiqued to see like, if you think I'm naturally beautiful enough for you. Or mm. like that, that, and I, or, you know, it was almost like he was so insecure with his appearance. He projected it onto me. Right. Um, I've never had a guy, like a guy pressure me to get into like a facial or like to get laser hair removal or to feel like I'm not good enough. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. It's weird. 
And it was like little things. And I would stand up for myself. I was like, hey, I've worked really hard to be confident. You don't know how hard it is in a woman with the world that we live in and these unrealistic expectations to be confident. I was like, Mm -hmm. I am confident in myself. You're not going to fuck this up for me, you know? And I was very firm in that and he would listen and take it. But um, there were, it was always like planting these little seeds of like, it was just slowly chipping away at my confidence, my self-esteem, feeling like I had to be this perfect part in his perfect life. Mm. He had that, he has this portrait that he's painted where everything's perfect. And I think that he saw me and I looked like the perfect one to be by his side. Right. If that makes you right. So, so I feel like I was playing a part. Um, mm. And, but, you know, we were still very much in love and there was a lot of happiness there, but then he had also like a very colorful sexual past. A lot of people from his past came through and still in his present. And I was struggling with that a little bit because he wouldn't give me all the information. Like Mm -hmm. for instance, there's a woman that he hooked up with at his work that he sees every week um, that I, he wouldn't even really give me the basic information of how long it went on, what happened when it stopped, like nothing. So I, And he made me insecure to even like ask about it because if I asked about it, then I was jealous Right. or right. So it was like, he would gaslight me into being like, well, you're just jealous and insecure. You don't need to know this information. Do you trust me? And I'm like, but I can't move on until I know the basic information. Yeah. Uh, And it's like, I'm sorry if you are, uh, if you have a past with someone that you see every day at work, like, of course you should be upfront with that information and be like reassuring your partner as to like, don't worry about it. This is what happened. Like Tay and I, it's like, he knows everything about all my exes. (laughs) Well, that's the thing is it's like in any relationship, you should feel safe to go to the person that you're in the relationship with and say, can you just like answer these questions for me? Because this is, these are things that were like really are bothering me. I didn't even feel safe to do that because he would shut down. And he literally was just like, at one point was like, I challenge you to only ask information that you feel like you absolutely need. And maybe you should get therapy. I'm <gasps> in therapy weekly. I'm in therapy there. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you and your therapist are talking about weekly, but honey, you need to like, like re get real with yourself. Like, yeah, this like, like you need to get therapy because you want to have ba- basic information about the girl that I fucked that I see every single day. Right. Like shit like that. Where it's like gaslighting me, making me feel like I was jealous and insecure. And then it's like, he went on a boy's trip to Mexico and it was, and, and he, it was right after we had the conversation about me being jealous and insecure. And he asked me, well, what are your expectations of me when I go to Mexico then? Not like, not a, um, well, what can I do to make you feel safe and secure when I'm in Mexico, baby? Like, should I, you know, text you every night before I go to bed or like, what will make right. you feel good? But it was like, and then in that moment, I was trying to like not be jealous and insecure. So I'm like, I don't need anything. I trust you. But it's like, it was all manipulation where it was yeah. just like always me feeling like I was the problem. Well, and PS for anyone that's in therapy, like if he, if he was in therapy weekly, like you should then know that when you go away on a trip or do something that's going to make your partner feel insecure, how to approach that conversation and in a kind way, be like, Hey, what can I do to like, there's people that are in therapy and that are really doing the work. There's a way that they talk. You know what I mean? Like there is a way that they approach situations to try and like minimize any blow ups. And that's not what that was. That was manipulation. It was all so much manipulation, so much control, gaslighting me, making me feel like I was a shitty person, a shitty girlfriend, 
Um, all of these things that now on the outside I know aren't true. Um, and there were a lot of good time in between, but here's the real kicker. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. When we started dating in January, he was doing dry January, like a lot of people. Um, everything in LA was closed. It was COVID. You know, we weren't going out anyways. And he was like, I'm feeling really good not drinking. Dry January is going great. Um, I want to keep it going. And I was fully supportive. That's great. I mean, I drink, but I don't need to drink a ton. So we didn't drink from like January to maybe like uh, April, May. Then oh, summer's wow. happening. Yes, then summer's happening. And um and he, we're going out, we're, you know, beach parties, a lot, we're, we're meeting each other's friends for the first time, because we're coming, it was like, we were like unveiling, you know, our unveiling to the world of like, it's on social media with our friends, like meet my, this person I'm madly in love with. Um, and he started drinking again. Now, uh, his family dynamic, there is an abusive, I don't want to like, use specifics, but there he, he grew up in a, in a, um, a home where there was an abusive alcoholic. Um, so that's what he saw. Um, and he had told me that he was doing dry January because he just drank a lot the year before and he needed to like, he just wanted to reel it in. Um, but once we start, once he started drinking in like a May, like May, June, it became very apparent to me that he was potentially also, uh, an abusive alcoholic Mm. and a lot of things happened. A lot of big fights. Uh, I was constantly walking on eggshells when we drank together. If I said the littlest comment he would turn into like a violent rage, uh, screaming at me. I was always, I would always end up in bed or on the floor, crying my eyes out, apologizing to the point where I didn't even know what I was apologizing for. Um, and, and one blow up happened, um, one night where, uh, we had been drinking all day. He had on a music, he had on music around two in the morning at his place. He poured himself another drink. I was like not drinking anymore. And there was a song that came on. And I said, oh, I know this song. I was like, it's on your Instagram. There's a, you know, cause there was a video of him about a year ago dancing with this cute blonde to this song. So it's like, of course I saw that post and that song kind of like, and you're drunk. So you just, there's no filter. So it's like, yeah, I know right. this song. It's, it's in, in your Instagram. And he turns into a monster like I have never seen in my life. He screams at me at the top of his lung. I'm not screaming back because I'm terrified at this point. I'm shaking. He screams at me at the top of his lungs, 
why the fuck would you say that? Fuck you. I've been nothing but fucking faithful and loyal to you. I've not touched another fucking bitch since I met you. Why are you so fucking jealous? Why are you so fucking insecure? Like screaming. Oh my at me. God. Like, truthfully, I'm shaking. I'm shaking. I'm terrified. I don't say anything. And then he's like, get the fuck out of my house. Whoa. And I'm like, it's two in the morning. Get the fuck out. I just ordered you a fucking Uber. Get the fuck out. And I'm like, I'm not leaving. I'm drunk. And he literally comes to me, puts his hands on me, drags me out of his place, throws my purse out, me out, and slams the door. Oh, fuck you, Chad. Yeah. Wow, dude. And I can see even when you're like retelling it now, you're like shaking. And the I can emotions. see- It was yeah. traumatic because it was yeah. like this guy that I thought loved me so fucking much that treated me so good. Love, love bombed the fuck out of me. I saw a monster. I, it was like, I, I couldn't believe what was happening. It's like, I knew that we were like, we would fight a little bit when we were drunk and that he would kind of gaslight me and, and be a little bit of a tyrant. And I would always end up apologizing. He had never like screamed at me and put his hands on me. Yeah. And over the littlest comment, like all he had to say is like, yeah, that was that one post. Like, let's make a new memory to it. Get up and dance. Like, you know, he was a fucking right. dick. Like he just lost control. Mm. And I, I was at a loss and it was devastating and traumatic. And the next day he shows up with more flowers than I could even hold more flowers than ever that I've ever, more flowers than I've ever received at once. And says to me, um, I will pay for counseling for us. I will go to anger management and, and I will stop drinking around you. Not just I'll stop drinking because maybe I have a problem. Right. I'll stop drinking around you because, because you're the problem. Because I'm the problem. Right. Right. And I even said wow. that around me. Okay. So silly me. And he, he's bawling his eyes out. Crocodile. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anyone cry so hard. He's crying his eyes out. I can't have us in like this. I'm so sorry. I've never acted like that before. I'll get all, you know, anger management. I'll, I'll stop drinking around you. I'll get us therapy. We'll fix this. I say, okay. So, but it's all manipulation now looking back. He was the one that was doing the really kind thing of finding a therapist for him, for us. So he was going through and weeding them out and telling them the backstory and the whole thing of why we need therapy, all of that. He finds us a therapist and the entire therapy session was not once about that altercation. It was all about why I'm jealous. Oh my God. And right before he asked me to contribute to it. I ended up paying for half of it. Oh my God. Like what the fuck? And how the therapist, like the, he, we, the therapist was like, yeah, you know, he's like, we got into a big fight and I, and I'm like, well, you, you put your hands on me. You were abusive. Like you screamed at me. You put your hand on me. You pushed me out of your place. And the therapist, like, I don't even, the psychologist, I don't even know where she got her qualifications for what she's doing. But like, uh, when there is a possible abuse, you need to talk about that. Yeah. Um, the whole well, session cause, was- cause let's, let's call it what it is like drunk or not. That's domestic violence period. Yeah. 
and, and and it was super traumatic. And the only reason I agreed to take him back was because we were going to go to therapy and address that issue. That issue was not even addressed. The issue right. that he wanted to talk about was my problem. It was always, well, you're the problem because you say these things, you're jealous and insecure and you trigger me. And so let's, let's deal with like how we can make you feel safe and, and not insecure anymore. And I was just like, you fucking asshole. Like, I just need you to, you to tell me how long you fucked that girl. If you're, there were feelings involved and when did it, when did it end it? Like, I just need basic information. Yeah. Like, I, I, like your gas. And I, after that, I, I remember just like bawling my eyes out being like, I feel that I feel like you're gaslighting me. Like I agreed to take, he never did anger management. He, um, eventually started like maybe two weeks later, just started drinking again with me, like, um, and just shoved under the rug. And then, but it was still really fresh. And then he went to Mexico and barely talked to me the whole time he was there. I had like, you know, he, I think we talked to him, he was there for like seven days or something. I think we talked on the phone once or twice. Which is not normal, like and, when you are in a and relationship. The, but, and then the majority of the, I never got a text of like, oh, I just got home. I'm safe. Nothing. I would be in bed just tossing and turning, being like, I don't know where he's at. I don't know what he's doing. I have no, I have no idea. But he sent me chocolates once. Oh, right. Because that yeah. makes up because for that not makes it being all communicative. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, then, oh and, then, and then the gaslighting. He gets back and he goes, well, my buddy and his girlfriend, they didn't talk once the whole trip. <laughs> And I'm your like, buddy and your buddy and his girlfriend are fucking toxic then. Yeah. Like, well, it's, well, it's what? Like, well, that's their relationship dynamic, but that's not ours. Don't gaslight me to think that I have like, I have my needs are unrealistic because I would like to know maybe when you're home or somewhat keep in touch with you when you're on vacation. Cause I would do that for you. If I was yeah. out in Mexico or Miami with my girlfriends, I would send you a text night. Hey baby, going to bed, had a great night whatever, or this is what we're up to today. Like I'd send him pictures. I talk to him every once in a while on the phone. Like I know I would do that. Cause that's the kind of fucking partner that I am. And that's yeah. what I need in someone. And so, but gaslight, gaslight me again to make me feel like, well, his boy and his girlfriend didn't talk at all. So I should be fine too. So anyways, so this is like, I'm getting to the end. So this is the big blow up his birthday. Okay. And he's very big about his birthday. It's all about him. Everything's always about him. So I, you know, he's, uh, has certain dietary restrictions. So I, I find the best, you know, gluten-free vegan cake in all of Southern California. I drive hours to go get it, spend tons of money in the middle of the night before his birthday, I get up and decorate his entire apartment, but balloons and streamers and presents and all this shit. So when he gets up, it looks like he's in a, like a birthday wonderland, you know, like I, I love him so much. I want to make him feel so special. And so I do all, I spend so much money on his birthday. I do all of these things. He has his birthday party and he's, you know, very excited to show his friends his really expensive place and to put on the show and whatever. Um, he's also very OCD. It's all control for him, like very OCD. He's terrified usually, like he would like say things if I got makeup on his uh, pillows or makeup on his towels, or if I didn't clean properly or had crumbs, he would come up behind me and clean after me. Like if I put on, put a, put a cup down and it wasn't on a coaster, he'd sweep little coaster right from under it. So I was constantly oh walking God, on dude. eggshells. Yeah. But, and so he was nervous to have his birthday party. So, cause people might mess things up. So, and heaven forbid, you know, it not be perfect. So I'm like, well, we'll buy runners for all of your furniture. We'll make sure everything's fine. It'll be, it'll be fine. <sighs> so this is like the universe, right? Like really helping me dodge a bullet with this one because his birthday party comes, my friend comes and within seconds, and of course it's my friend, it's no one else. It's my friend comes and within two minutes spills a drink. Okay. And my, and my, my <laughs> nervous system goes into shock because I'm like, oh God, like I know he's going to freak out. And I so desperately want him to have a good birthday. But that's a problem in itself. Like you shouldn't fucking feel like that. Okay, continue. 
So, and then my, and he's, and he's, he comes over there and he's frantically like cleaning it up on the floor, scrubbing the walls. Like you can feel his energy. He's like just freaking out. And my friend can feel the energy and she's really embarrassed. And she sees that he's like freaking out a little bit. And I just looked at her and I just want to make sure every, I want to keep everything light, make every sure everyone's having a good time. So I very jokingly say to her, I go, it's okay. I was like, he's a little OCD. Cause he's like scrubbing the thing like obsessively. And I'm like, it's okay. It's like, he's a little OCD. And he hears me and he turns his head and I see that monster again. And he goes, why the fuck did you just say that? And I am only, I'm like so nervous for him. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm trying trying to to be a buffer. I'm trying to protect him. I'm trying to protect my friend. I'm just doing my best here. Like, Jesus, I'm not like trying to upset him in any way. So he stands up and there are people around. So he's not yelling at me, but he backs me up into the kitchen and he's in my face. And he's like, why the fuck did you say that? And I'm apologizing profusely. I'm so sorry, honey. Like, I, I didn't mean to trigger you in any way. I didn't, I did, I, I'm sorry if that was insensitive. Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean anything. My friend was just, you know, really upset and she was embarrassed and I wanted to make sure she was okay. And I was worried about you too and blah, blah. And he's like, well, why would you say that? I don't understand why you would say it. Like, just backing me up into the kitchen, like in my face. And finally, his one friend that has a little bit of emotional intelligence saw it and came up to him and tapped him on the shoulder. and was like, come on, buddy like leave her alone. And at that point, that's when I was so, I was triggered back to the other night when he like screamed at me and put his hands on me. And I also realized that like that comp, that wasn't about anything with me being jealous. Like this is like him having a, he has a problem. And, and I, and after all that I did for his birthday to make sure it was special, like I did so much to make sure, like I did it, you know, like it, it, it hurt, it hurt my heart. And so I went on the balcony because I didn't want to make a scene. And I went on on the balcony and I started bawling. And a couple of girlfriends came over. And I think that's when it hit me. It's when other people see it. Yeah. And the t- I had two girlfriends come, o- come to me when I was crying. And one of them said, um, you know, you don't have to take him talking to you like that. You can leave this. And that's when I was like, I'm in an abusive relationship. Yeah. I didn't even know it. Right. And I thought I was pretty smart. How did I miss this? How did I miss it? And so the rest of the birthday party, I kept apologizing because that's what I've been trained to do. And he kept saying to me very dismissively, uh, I forgive you. I forgive you, Lauren. Uh, Let's just have a great night. I forgive you, Lauren. Let's just have a great night. Let's move on, Lauren. Let's have a great night. I forgive you. And I, and my, every fiber of my being was like, you forgive me. You forgive me. Motherfucker. I don't forgive you. Like not once did you say, I am sorry. I apologize profusely. When did you say, I'm actually sorry too. I overreacted. Like I, I did not mean to get into your face. I didn't mean to upset you. I know you're probably very sensitive considering the other experience we had when I freaking attacked you right. almost. Like, I'm so right. sorry if I, I scared you again. Like, baby, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to overreact. Like I was triggered too. Nothing. It's, I forgive you. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh my God. It's so jarring to listen to because obviously on the outside and on social media, it was mm-hmm. so vastly different. And like yeah. there were posts that you would say that had like hints of it. Like yeah. it's not always easy, but it's about like coming back yeah. together. And I got to be honest, I I met him one time when you you and Chad came over <laughs> yeah. to, to my house for a barbecue and I remember you guys left and I looked at Tay and went, he's fucking weird, man. Really? Like there's something, there's something really fucking off about that guy. And obviously you can't say that to your girlfriend who is like <laughs> blissfully in love because like, what if it's not an abusive red flag and yeah. it's just like, he's got some weird fucking corks, but like there was something in his energy and I was just like, this is, yeah. this is strange. Yeah. Well, listen to how the night ends. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I, at that point, it was literally taking back my power. And I said, it's his birthday. I could sit here and pretend that everything's fine and play the part. But my, every fiber, my fucking dignity and self-respect said, no, this is it. I'm done playing the part. And I went into his bedroom and I just laid down. I didn't participate in the party anymore. He came in once to try to talk to me and I completely shut down and didn't want to talk because I'm terrified of talking to him when he's drunk because mm-hmm. I didn't know what he would do. And, um, and I did send him a really mean text that said like, this is over. You're the biggest fucking disappointment of my life because, because I, I loved him. I would have married him. I would have, yeah. I would, I, I would have done anything for him. And, um, then all of a sudden I hear him and his like emotionally illiterate friends outside um, talking about the strip club. I hear strip club. I'm in his bed crying. And uh, I hear Chad, I hear Chad say, yo, I got $500 cash. Like, let me go get it. Whatever. I'm such a douche. And, um, <laughs> and all of a sudden here, his friends like, yeah, I just ordered an Uber black. And not one of them like checked on me, like his friends, like his friends could have come. If that was my group of friends, they would have been like, let's go talk to her. Like what, maybe what's, what's yeah. really wrong or, or like, you need to stay back and, and just like work on that. Like, we know how much this relationship means to you. Like it's like, go work on your relationship. No, they take him to the strip club. They leave to the strip club. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't believe it. Like, I truly can't believe, and I, in that moment was like, my person would come in here. My person would have the, the awareness and the, um, compassion and the loyalty to say, you know what, like my girl's in there and like, you know, I just, I'm going to go fix this, you know? Yeah. He goes to the strip club, not to mention he has a history of using escorts and all these other things. So, you know, it's, yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. dude. <laughs> so, but I'm jealous and obscure. Um, so he goes to the strip, a strip club and I walk out and I just like walk, I, I get out of bed. I'm a little drunk. It's like two in the morning and I walk around his apartment and all of a sudden I see this big cake and it's his birthday cake. And I pick it up and Mr. OCD, you know, can't have a mess anywhere. I pick up his big ass birthday cake and I just smash it on the ground. Yes, girl. Oh my fucking God. I cannot. That was yeah. the best fucking possible end to that. 
yeah. ridiculous story that you could have said. Yep. And I, sm- I just sat there and I like relished in that for a couple moments and I walked out and I never went back. For, for anyone listening to this podcast right now, <laughs> do not steal this story and write it in a fucking movie because we are going to. So do not, you do yeah. not have permission to take this. So motherfucker leaves you crying on his birthday in his bed to go to a strip club. Mm-hmm. And then you come out, tear stains down your face, take the fucking expensive ass vegan gluten-free <laughs> bullshit birthday cake that you bought him and smash it all over his fucking floor. Yeah. And, Brilliant. And the next day, the next, and then I'm in, and then I go home and I'm, could, did not sleep a wink because I'm imagining ass and titties in his face and all of these things. And <laughs> I'm like, God, I am way too fucking good for this shit. <laughs> like, Oof. And we talked on the phone a couple hours later and I'm like, well, clearly he's going to apologize. Right. As soon as he gets on the phone, all I hear is you ruined my birthday. Oh my God. I can, you ruined my, and I told my girlfriend, my girlfriend's like, what is he 10? Like you like, it's like, get over it. But he kept saying, you ruined my birthday. You ruined my birthday. You were such a drama queen. You made you you made everyone feel so uncomfortable. And it was like, no, you made people feel uncomfortable with how you, like you, you did, you're projecting all your shit onto me. Yeah. Like, do they know that you put your hands on me and screamed at me two weeks before? Do they know why I was reacting that way? Right. Do they know why I had such a crazy reaction? Because if they had any ounce of emotional intelligence, they'd be like, whoa, something's off here. Yeah. Like, but no, no. And he is so charming and charismatic that he really, he, and he did it to me. He fooled me, you know, cause I was madly in love with him. So he's really good at what he does. So I, I don't even actually blame his friends, but, um, but the whole conversation was you ruined my birthday. You, how could you, and you were so embarrassing. You made everyone feel uncomfortable. Um, you just wouldn't shut up about it. You da, 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 da. you da, 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 da. And, and then I was apologizing again. Even afterwards, I sent him this long text. I'm so, so sorry. Please apologize to your friends. I didn't mean to ruin your birthday. It breaks my heart. I love you so much. I wanted your birthday more than anything to be the best. Like, and I was, it was like that wounded, you know, weak, submissive victim that I was like this, you know, because he was so manipulative and so emotionally abusive. Um, and I was still upset and um, apologizing. And then he didn't even have the decency and like, let's just preface this with like a week before we were joking about getting married. Like we were so happy and so in love. I thought he was my person, right. like no doubt about it. I thought we had issues, but we would work through them. Um, he doesn't even give me the respect of like having a conversation really about what happened once we kind of had settled. He never apologized. He never even would meet with me face to face. He, um, all he said was, there's no chance of reconciling. I will have a brief phone conversation just to give my regards. Wow. That's all. And it's all control. He's setting, he's setting the, you know, the limits and the boundaries. And I, when we got on that phone, I I call, I said, you know what? I said, we both were in this relationship and we both have a say in how it ends. So I appreciate that. You just want to keep it short and say, I enjoyed our time together, you know, peace the fuck out. But, um, no, like there are things that I need to say. And I'm going to say them and you don't have to say anything back, but I would appreciate if you could at least listen. And I went through and I owned everything on my part. I, I told him how much I loved him, how much I you know appreciated him, how much I would do the work with him if he was willing. 
and I owned my own shit. I, I, I'm not perfect. You know, I can be passive aggressive. I can say little things. I'm human. I have abandonment issues. Like my dad was a drug addict and abandoned me and treated me like shit. Um, I can own all of this stuff. Um, I even said, maybe I drank too much that night. I didn't eat enough that day. Like I owned all of that and told him how much I loved him and how I would be willing to work through it with him. Do you think he, he at least said, you know, maybe I drink too much too, or maybe I have an anger issue. No, I don't think he said any of that. Nothing. <laughs> No, he didn't. No, no. He, he, I, he, he did not own anything or apologize. So how did it end? Because I want to get into the stuff that came next. Was it just that conversation and it was done? So that conversation, um, was it, he gave his regards, told me he loved me, didn't own shit. And that was that. And that's when I knew he was not my person because my person would have been like, fuck, you know what? I think I'm an alcoholic. And, um, I think I may be abusive yeah. or I think I maybe have anger management issues or, um, I'm not, you know, like my person could have owned their shit and would have done the work. And when I saw that he took zero ownership, I'm like, well, this is very narcissistic. This is very, uh, just abusive. And, um, I, I don't want to be in that. Yeah. But I know, I know, I know you well enough as a person to know that now that you're on the other side of it and those goggles are off, like hearing this story is fucking yeah. insane. Like, It's the prime example of the friend standing by being like, how do you not see this? How are you accepting this when like you're such a strong chick and like I'm I'm mind blown. I mean, I'm I'm mortified in my I mean, I cannot believe how this happened to me. I, I truly cannot believe it. But it's but that's the point. And I think that's what I want to share. And I'll tell you what ayahuasca told me about all of this too. But, um, so pretty much, uh, that was it. And I didn't fight for it because damn, like he doesn't deserve me. Like he does not deserve me. And if someone lets me go, I'm going (laughs) and, and you'll never get me back period. So, um, I spent like a week in bed, barely eight, um, devastated. And I, um, had a moment where I was in the bathroom and I was looking at myself. It was all I could do to get the strength to even go to the, you know, go to the bathroom. And I was looking in the mirror and I was just like, you know, I'm in my thirties. I'm technically now unemployed. I don't have any family. I don't have any partner. I don't have children. I am alone in this freaking world, man. And I have just had the love of my life ripped from me too. And, and it brought so much wounding in terms of like, my dad was an addict and abusive and, even out up until his deathbed, he never owned it. He never took responsibility. He never apologized. And I felt like he never loved me enough to, um, mm-hmm. to get clean. And I, in a way it was like, I was dealing with that wound yeah. again with, with Chad, because if he loved me enough, God, he would have just said, I think I have a drinking problem. Right. I would have stopped drinking with him. Like, I mean, I would have done anything. And I was like, damn, he didn't love me enough. But now I realize he didn't love himself enough. Oh well, yeah, that's the basis of what it always is. So I'm looking in the mirror and I'm just to the point where it's like, I've never been suicidal and it's not like I would ever hurt myself. But I just remember being like, you know what, God, like if you need one to take one for the team, like like you can like, like I'm good. Like I've lived a lot. I've experienced a lot. Like I'm kind of like over this being alive thing at this point, I'm kind of giving up. And I looked in the mirror and I just had this moment of like, it's going to get better. And I remember just rolling up my sleeves on my sweater and just being like, all right, 
you're going to turn yeah. this around. You're going to pick up, you're going to pick up the pen. You are going to write the best fucking chapter of your fucking life. And you are going to make this the best thing that's Love ever that. happened to you. You are, you are going to look back and be like, damn, that's when I transformed yeah. my, my life. I need yeah. to send him a thank you because he is going to be the reason that I have a new career, a new life, a new outlook, a new person that loves me unconditionally treats me well. Like I'm going to look back and be like, damn, he didn't break me. He made me. And I didn't do yeah. it for him. I did it for me. It's not even about like the best revenge you can have is loving yourself and choosing yourself. I am going to love myself so much. Like it's a problem. You know, like, I mean, girl, hi, look who you're talking to. You're like literally preaching like the life I that I lived. Yeah. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like, so anyway, so I had that moment. I rolled up my sleeves. I'm like, we're going to make, we're going to turn this like biggest turd into something terrific. And we're going to alchemize the fuck out of this <laughs> shitty situation. And that's when I got a text from my friend asking me if I wanted to do ayahuasca in two weeks. Oh my God. Like the timing. The timing. You can't. You can't make it up. The timing. I've always wanted to, I, I wanted to do ayahuasca the last couple of years. Um, and I always told myself that it's like, it will come to me. It will find me when the time is right. I never actively seeked it out. Um, so it came to me. Perfect timing. And for people who don't know what ayahuasca is, it's basically a plant medicine that is used in, you know, I, I mean, they do Costa Rica and like in indigenous places all over the world mm -hmm. um, where yeah. you drink this tea, but it is, it, it's a drug. So it's, it's, so there's two types of plants that are used. Uh, one is the ayahuasca vine. And then another one uh, starts with a C, but it has like the DMT element together. And, and so uh, they, they mix them. Um, yeah. It was used in the Amazon and indigenous communities have used it for thousands of years. It's a, it's considered medicine. It's um, a way to kind of deal with like trauma or deep emotions or um, have expanded consciousness, spirituality to tap into um, inward outward everything, you know, to tap into kind of the divinity within and um, the uh, just, you know, a lot of people will also be able to like connect with old loved ones who have passed on. I mean, it, it really has knows no limits, um, but you really never know what you're going to get. You don't know what experience you're going to get. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's been so many celebrities that have gone on record, like Will Smith just did like a big stint of it. Michelle Rodriguez, there's a great um, YouTube documentary where she has a whole experience with it and everyone that does it. And I know people personally that have done it says it's like 10 years of therapy in one fucking session. And it can really, really like there's people that are raging alcoholics and drug addicts and do this once and they never touch another thing in their life. Like it's, there's been miraculous stories over the years of it. Yeah. So tell me about yeah. your yeah, experience with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I went uh, to this little retreat center. Uh, it's very basic, very minimal, no frills attached. Um, and it was like on the, the border of Mexico and California in the middle of the desert. Um, there's a shaman there. Uh, they, you know, uh, you're, you're, you do it at night. It's like a, a night medicine. So you do it at night. You're on these little mats in this room and you're all kind of like in this circle type thing. And everyone has your little puke bucket, you know, right there in front of you. And the shaman will bless the plus bless the tea. And the first night I did it. So I did it two nights. So I did two different rounds. Um, and I, you they asked you whether you want like a small, medium or large. 
And I'm like terrified. Yeah. So I'm like small. <laughs> like, uh, and my biggest thing was like, cause you do purge. So a big part of ayahuasca is purging. Some people um, vomit, most people vomit. Um, some people it gives you like diarrhea or like you have to go to the bathroom, um, which I was terrified. Cause I was like, right, am I gonna right. have to shit my pants? Like, do you, do I, Yeah. like, seriously, I was like, am I gonna have time to get to the bathroom? Like, this is a very valid concern. So anyways, I do a little bit and I don't really feel a lot, which is interesting. And I, and then all of a sudden you hear everyone starting to puke. Cause you know, it's like sitting at getting yeah. like hitting people 30 H- to 45 minutes after. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Hence the bucket. So all of a sudden you hear, and you, it's dark because it's night and you can't hear that. You just hear uh-huh. vomit everywhere. And I'm just like, oh, what am I doing? Why did I sit <laughs> up for this shit? And then it starts, and then it starts hitting me. Um, and what's crazy is I don't puke. I didn't puke night one. Didn't puke. Um, and so, but I did have, I took a light, I took a small, so I didn't take a lot, but what was happening is I had all of these, it was like, I had this otherworldly intelligence come into my life and guide mm. me through my life. I saw my entire life from a child to now. And it was literally like, cause they call it like mother ayahuasca. I literally felt mother ayahuasca holding me and she was walking me through my whole life. And I'm probably going to cry a lot during this, um, whole ayahuasca yeah journey. Um, but I, I was sobbing during that and she was taking me through my whole life. Cause I didn't, I didn't have an easy childhood and, you know, and, and we definitely went through a lot. And she kept saying to me over and over, you are mm. so brave. You are so brave. You are so brave. Like even now feeling so alone and like, so hurt, like you're so brave. And so then I'm like sobbing and just like watching my life and just getting this, this huge theme of you are so brave. And and then I went to the, my relationship with Chad and I was having so, so many questions about that. And um, uh, there was a little, this is crazy, but I, for some reason, always felt like there was like a spirit baby that wanted to come through ever for yeah. us ever since I met him. And I never believed in anything like that. I told my two best friends that I feel this like energy, this little girl that wants to come through oh, wow. for, for us. And yeah, and it was, it was really overwhelming to the point, like I definitely told, like I told my two best friends, I never told him because I was like, that's weird. But I felt this, I felt this little girl. And when I was with him, I felt like she wanted to come through. And I asked, you know, ayahuasca, I was like, why did I feel that little, little girl if, if that wasn't meant to be? And ayahuasca said very firmly of that was a possibility. That was a possibility for your life. And we get so hung up on these possibilities and it was like, but what you don't realize is there are mm. other possibilities. And, you know, for all of us, we get, we get attached to these feelings or these instincts or whatever. And, and yes, that means that, that that timeline is available to you, but there are, will, there are others too. Um, so that was really interesting. And it also was very clear in the text that I sent him, you're the biggest fucking disappointment of my life. I had a lot of shame and guilt about that. And I got the message that that wasn't for him. That was for, for my dad. Oh, wow. It said very clearly that wasn't for him. That was for your dad because in that night, that night he he brought. Yeah, he was your yeah. dad. Oh, I just got chills. He 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 was the addict who screamed at you and got in your face and treated you like shit and never owned it, never apologized. Yeah. That was your dad, and yeah. So there were there were a huge the thing the thing was is what it did is it just it just was like this web of thoughts and it was piecing it all yeah. together for me making it all make sense and the second night this is when it gets crazy the second night oh I my did god large. just small to large no no room for the medium <laughs> yep did a large and let me tell you did I go on a journey um it took me on. And what it, it told me, this is the journey to me. 
And it took me on a journey to me of all of these phases that I've been through. It made me like, and I didn't even know what was happening, but in the moment I would be like, okay, like I'm, I'm, I ran, I ran out of the, the whole ceremony. And I was like, and it was like, you run like everything that I was doing in the moment. It was showing me what it was doing in my life. I was doing in my life. You run, you hide, you, this, you, that I ended up um, well, I went outside and I looked up in the whole sky, all of the stars were connected. They were all this beautiful blue and they were all like a string connecting them all. And it was like, we are all connected. We are all connected. It's all connected, you know? And it was this beautiful spiritual moment. And then I went into a room, I found this random dark room and I laid on the wood floor by myself and I bawled my eyes out. And, um, then I hid under the bed and it was like, you're hiding, you're hiding from the world. Like you are hiding right now. And it made me so uncomfortable. I was bawling my eyes out. It was the hardest night of my life. And then it like, uh, it came through and it was almost like I met with my galactic family. Like, I know it sounds crazy. And it was like, this intelligence came into me. It was moving trauma throughout my body. Like I, my hands, I didn't even know how I was doing it. I was massaging my body, moving out emotions and out trauma. It was literally like clearing wow. house for me and re- rebooting me. I didn't even know how I was doing it. And then um, I... I made contact with the, the little girl. Oh my God. And Chad and I had had a few past readings, uh, with, um, just people, channelers and numerologists who always said that we find each other in every life and lose each other. And that was the last thing he said to me is that I feel like I've lost you a hundred times over again. And the little girl came through and said, she, it's because she's trying to bring us together in every lifetime. So she can become here. and be with us. And I bawled my eyes out and I told her that she can uh, let us go and that she can move on. How powerful is that? And that we love her. (laughs) Like I was like sobbing that she can move on. And uh, I was like, you know, maybe in the next life, I don't know, but like you can move on. And I love you, you know, and I love you so much. And I'm so sad that we weren't able to pull it together for you, you know? And here's the thing. I never purged anything, but all of a sudden, after I told her she could go, I felt something in my underwear and I looked and it was blood. Oh, wow. And yeah, I wasn't supposed to start my period for a week and a half. So I had no tampons, no nothing. Went to the bathroom, sat on the toilet and just watched blood drop by drop pour out of me. Holy shit. Mixed with tears. And it was like I was letting go. Oh my God. I have like chills over my entire fucking body. Yeah. Yeah. And I I was uh, sobbing. And then I got up and I looked myself in the mirror again. And ayahuasca said to me, You're not birthing a baby, you're birthing a book. (sighs) Now go fucking write. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and it said, you know, a big theme of my life has been allowing a lot men to treat me like shit. Aside from my ex-husband, he was very good to me, but like my dad and guys that I've dated, you know, even my dad, I never, I never called him out on his bullshit. I never, I just always forgave him and was like that timid little girl that just wanted to be loved. And I felt the same way with Chad. I just, you know, this little girl that wanted to be loved. I was always apologizing and and it literally ayahuasca said to me, it, it, it wrote something for me for my book, but it said, um, to the men who took my tongue, but still I learned to speak and I will scream and I will scream 
and I will scream. That came to me out of nowhere. And it said to me, it's okay to scream. Fuck yes. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be angry. You can be angry because that shows that a boundary was crossed. That shows that someone treated you in a way that wasn't okay. Um, Use it, use it, use that as your fuel and you let it light a fire under your ass, you know, and, and set the fucking world on fire with it and help people change lives. Be loud about it. Be fucking loud. And yeah. And so I booked a ticket to New York city. I have ever since I've done ayahuasca, I have been changed. I, I I'm fearless. Nothing like I, well, you know, I used to always be afraid of speaking up and, and doing like Instagram lives or, or doing TikToks or like putting myself out there. I was so terrified of who am I? Why does anyone care what I'm doing? And finally it was just like, listen, you're, you're not hiding anymore. You're not, yeah. this is showtime. It's showtime. This is your whole life has been preparing you for this moment right now. And I, if there is anybody that I'm going to bet on, it's me. Like nothing is going to stop me at this point. Nothing. I am fucking ready and I'm here for it. And I've been, I've been waiting my whole life to be this version of me. And, you know, I needed that breakup. I needed it. I'm going to go from the girl that he had to the girl that he will never be able to get. Fuck I am yes, my girl, life. preach. I am up leveling my life in ways that he's not even going to be in my league. Like there, you know, it's just like, I, I am stepping into my power. I am going to literally make this the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yes. And, and I, I believe that with every fiber of my being, every cell of my DNA structure of like, this is the beginning. You can see, you can see it from the beginning of the episode where we started from you talking to how you're speaking now. Like there's a difference in your voice. There's a difference in your face, in your body language. I'm so fucking proud of you because I know that since you've gotten to New York, you are writing the book. So best fucking believe that the next time you come on this goddamn show, it will be to promote (laughs) that motherfucking book that I have been hearing about since Asia. I am so stoked for you, girl. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. And it's funny because it's like, I was so um, frustrated with myself of being like, why can't I write this book? What's wrong with me? And it all made sense of like, because yeah. you were waiting for this, like the book that I write now. Yeah. Whew, like I thought I knew. No, 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 no. Like this book is going to be so much better. And it's, it's just, I needed this. All I can say is I needed this. And I will send that motherfucker a thank you afterwards because, uh, yeah, thank you. I wish, I I mean, I I just, I'm I'm grateful. (laughs) So I I am so with you on that. It was divinely, divinely fucking perfect. Lauren, thank you so much. I seriously, this was such Uh, a fucking joy to have you on. You're always so honest and vulnerable and I'm so excited to see where your story is going to go after this life-changing event for you. Yay. Thank you so much. And I'm, I am, I just want to give you a little shout out for doing everything that you do and the the second book and just really being this trailblazer for women and for empowerment, for inspiration. And you're such a bright light. And I think you're just sharing it with the world, which is, it's special to see. And I'm just honored that I'm just your, your friend. Thank you, girl. That means, that means so much to me. I have so much love for you. And uh, until next time. I want to thank my dear friend Lauren for coming on and yet again bearing her soul on this podcast. She is such an incredible human and I am so excited for what is to come 
in her life in the future. So I really urge you to go follow her. Her Instagram page is like a epic diary of soul searching. And the stuff that she writes on there is really, really amazing. So I encourage you to go connect with her on social media. Next week, you guys, I'm like a little flustered at the moment because someone really special to me, although I have never met him, is coming on FML Talk. When I went to Asia on my big solo trip, I discovered an artist whose music genuinely spoke to my soul. And I listened to one specific album of his the entire time I was on my trip, and it truly got me through a lot of my healing. And I reached out to his management team when I had to get permission to use some of the lyrics of a specific song in The Ridiculous Misadventures. And apart from granting me permission to use those beautiful lyrics, we also invited him to come on FML Talk and... He said yes. (laughs) So next week, you guys, we are officially welcoming Trevor fucking Hall to FML Talk. I am so beyond excited to share his music and his journey with you all and get to chat with him finally face to face. So I cannot wait for next week. It is going to be such a good one. I will see you there. As always, make sure you guys are subscribed so you never miss an episode. Keep up with us on Instagram at FML Talk Podcast for all of our giveaways and behind-the-scenes goodies. If you are not hanging out with us on Patreon, that's the place that you should be. You get access to the private Facebook group, 10% off all your merch, and tons and tons of full-season bonus episodes. Season three is all the stuff I had to cut out of book number two. And it is freaking juicy, y'all. If you ever wanted all of the dirt that I can't say here, that's the spot it's currently airing on. I will see you all next week for this episode that I am so excited about. Until then, have a few self-love cocktails on me. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.